this morning as we turn once again to the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. The next to last book in the Old Testament, if you've got your physical Bible there, if you've got your digital Bible there, pick it up and scroll through until you find the second Z. There's Zephaniah, don't get mistaken, and there's Zephaniah and Zechariah. So we're going to the second one, next to last book in the, New, in the Old Testament. We'll be in chapter 7 this morning. As we've been going through this overview, basically, of the book of Zechariah, taking a look at how God is working with his children, those who are re returning back from the exile in Babylon, coming back to a land, Jerusalem, Israel. They're finding their city destroyed in ruins. They're finding the temple totally destroyed, and it's very demoralizing to them because they left it after decades and decades and decades and centuries of disobedience. God finally brought discipline to the nation of Israel, took them to Babylon, and now they're coming back to a land that probably looks much worse than they even expected. When I picture Israel at that time, I picture kind of some of the, the images in my mind of, uh, of Palestine and Syria, uh, Iraq and Iran, some of these cities that have been bombed and gone through war over the past couple decades. And we just see pictures of, of destruction, buildings not one stone on top of the other, walls torn down, buildings destroyed, lives lost. And the Israelites don't have anybody to blame except for themselves. God had sent prophets, God had sent priests, he'd sent godly kings and some ungodly kings, all with the same purpose of drawing these men and women back to himself to try to restore the relationship with his people again. If you remember back a few weeks back, when we first started this series in, in the first chapter of Zechariah, we talked about God calling his people home. He said, go home. I've got, I'm waiting for you. I've got a place for you. We're going to go back. We're going to make this nation great once again. Go home. He called us to return to him. Then in week two, we talked about how God was wanting to draw, wanting us to draw near to him so he could draw near to us. He desires this intimate relationship with you and I. He's not going to force it on us. He's going to say, I want you to draw near to me. I want you to come to me. I'm not going to make you do it. You're not a robot. Draw near. Come close to me. And as soon as you draw near, I will draw near to you. Because remember, it's not God leaving us. It's we who have left God. And so when he says, draw near to me, it's because he's saying, You've, you walked away. Now walk back. And I'm waiting for you. Third week, we talked about how God asks us to be, God asks us to see ourselves as he sees us, forgiven. We don't need to look at ourselves as Satan wants us to see ourselves and be able to depressed and demoralized and discouraged and remembering our sin. And Satan always wants to bring that back up to us. God says, remember, I have forgiven you, period. Then last week, God reminded the people to be Obey the voice of God. Be led by the Holy Spirit. To catch the wind. Remember? Catch the wind. To obey the voice of God. And today, as we look in chapter 7, we're seeing that God declares himself, that he declares he wants to find authentic faith in his children. He wants us to be a children of God who, are, who exist and have an authentic faith, not a fake faith. 
authentic faith, one that exists every single minute of the day, one that we live throughout the week, not just the one hour of church on Sunday morning, but even the other 167 hours in the week that exist beyond this. When your pastor's not here encouraging you, looking over your shoulders, and maybe watching you, except for my kids. The other, what do we do with the other 167 hours of the week? We can look good here on Sunday mornings. We can put on a good face and say, man, I'm doing awesome. My kids are great. They're all dressed awesome today. Look, they're dressed all patriotic. They look pretty. Their hair's done nice. They're getting donuts back there all over their face. But we all look good on Sunday mornings. What about the rest of the week? That's really where we're at today. See, in Zechariah chapter 7, the people ask God a question. The people ask God a question here that's very telling about where they are in their journey, their faith journey. Look with me in verse chapter 1, verses chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. It says, in the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sherezer, Regamelech, and the men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord, the hosts of the prophets, listen, this is what they asked. Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Should, I, can, should we continue to weep and fast and pray in the fifth month as we have for the past so many years? Should we continue in this practice, this tradition that we've set up? And see, what happened during the exile, during the 70 years that the Jews were in Babylon, they had begun adding to the traditions of their faith. Remember, the temple had been destroyed they had been removed from Israel to Babylon, and so they began meeting in synagogues around the city. And they couldn't all meet together. They couldn't all meet, come together, and it was when one big meeting, um, like a big, like going to Broncos Stadium or something. So they began meeting in smaller pockets, like house churches, in these synagogues. 50 or 100 here, 50 or 100 here, 50 or 100 over there, around the city as they would meet together. And they began developing different traditions. And sometime during the exile, they had added three new fasts to their practice. God had only required them in the law to fast during Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But they had added these three others, trying to get God's attention, trying to prove how holy and righteous they were. And initially, their intention behind it may have been good. Their meaning behind these fasts are good. Oftentimes when we start these traditions, oftentimes when we start these things in our midst, there are good reasons for doing it. For example, years ago, churches used to, as you came into church, they'd have a time of greeting. They'd have a sing a song, then everybody stand up and shake hands together. And then we realized over, over time that people who were visiting church for the first time or second time were not really comfortable with that greeting time. And it was really kind of awkward. As you walk over, you're encouraged, go and greet that visitor, go and greet that person you've never seen before. And that's the only time you're greeting somebody, if that's the only time you're saying hi to somebody in, in new in church, then you've missed the point. 
But initially, the point was, we want to greet everybody, let everybody know that we're happy you're here. And there was a good reason behind it, but it became a tradition. Then when he tried to stop the tradition, some people get upset. Coffee and donuts. If we show up next week and there's no coffee and donuts, some of us are going to be upset. Those kids who require donuts when they come to church on Sunday morning, I mean, I see them, they come in the front door and they're, donuts, 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 gotta get that donuts, I need sprinkles this morning. Y'all know. And they, they, ah, they jam that donut in their mouth. And they go, Dad, can I have another vitamin, please? And our ladies in the back are like, can they have 12 donuts on a Sunday morning? <laughs> or coffee. You gotta have the coffee. Or tea for those, those of you sinners. You want tea on Sunday mornings. That's a tradition that we do, and it's it's got good meaning behind it. We started so that invite people to come early to church. Early to church, right? Early so you can come in fellowship and hang out and not sleep in and show up walking at 944 and 30 seconds, 30 seconds before church starts. <laughs> Open up your eyes, right? <laughs> come here and hang out, say a few words 15 minutes early. It's not that much earlier, unless you have fireworks going off in your neighborhood like everyone else here in our, did last night till 11.30 or 12 o'clock. I can tell y'all, y'all don't know what fireworks late at night is. <laughs> Lunar New Year in China, the fireworks go off until 3 a.m. And I don't mean little tiny poppers here and there, I mean big ones. We were kept awake a long time on this Lunar New Year. Traditions, they're not bad. But if we get caught up in them and then they become a point of proving how spiritual we are or trying to get God's attention, the tradition turns into idolatry. Doesn't matter what the tradition is. You know, we like to say no sacred cows or no such thing. There shouldn't be anything such thing as sacred cows in a church. Nothing should be ingrained in stone of any programs or practices that we have except for the reading and preaching of God's word and lifting his name up and worshiping him. Those are ingrained. Living holy lives is ingrained. We're striving to. But the things that we do when we come to church, how you dress, or what we drink or eat, or the, the practices that we have, or how we do Lord's Supper, how often do we do Lord's Supper, how often we baptize, how often we have membership classes, all these things, those are just events and things that take place. The Jews had made this forest fast a year. A tradition didn't have it. And so when they were asking here, should we weep and abstain from the fifth month, as we have done for so many years? The Bible is saying, God, haven't you seen the effort we've put into getting your attention? And God's answer is very telling. God's answer to their question through the rest of the chapter is so very telling and informative. Let's us know what is really important to God. It lets us know what is on God's heart and mind when it comes to us and how we worship him and how we come to his throne. Look at verses 4 through 7 with me. Follow along. It should be on the screen behind me as well. It says, Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. It says, say to all the people of the land of the, land of the priests. This is Zechariah. 
writing and speaking. And God says, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for those 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? Was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? See what God is, he's kind of slapping them down. This is when you were fasting during the fifth and seven months, were you really fasting for me? When you go and you eat and drink, you don't eat and drink to me. You eat and you drink for yourself. You eat and drink because you have to enjoy the food. You eat the donuts on Sunday mornings because you enjoy the donuts. You come together not for me, but for yourselves. And so it's really telling here that what God is desiring, that there's three things we're going to look at this morning. And, and the, as God's trying to get the attention, as he's saying, you're, what you've been practicing is not authentic. What you've been doing is not real. It's fake. Let me share with you now, God tells them, what I ask of you to make your faith authentic. Number one, to be transformed from serving others to serving him. To transform our, our faith, to transform our service into one that's just, I've got to do it every Sunday. To where I'm coming and participating in this act of service so that God gets the glory. I'm doing what he wants me to do. Our ladies show up every Sunday morning. They, they prepare the coffee in the back and they show up early to get that done. And it would be easy for them when they start out. It, they're like, this is what we feel like God wants us to do. But it would be very easy over the course of time to say, I'm now, I need to, I need to have the attention drawn to me. Why does nobody say thank you for getting coming here early and getting the coffee and the little service stuff ready back there? Thank you, ladies. You guys are great. I'm, I'm saying publicly from the pulpit. I want you to know we are thankful that y'all show up early so we can get our vitamins and get our coffee. Amen. But they could in their minds go, you know, we come, we come here every Sunday morning and nobody ever says a word. The tech team comes in early on, th come in Thursday nights to get all the music ready. The worship team comes in early on Thursday night, Thursdays to practice and get everything ready. They're trying to get everything sounding correctly, looking correctly, so that getting the camera organized and ready so that everybody online has a similar experience as what we have right here in, our, in, in, in person. So if you can't be here in, per, in person, you can at least watch online. Try and get all of that organized. The question is, when you're serving, when you're doing what you do, whether it's here at church, in the physical building, or you're serving in your community, or in your neighborhood, or you're at your job, are you doing service for God, or are you doing it to draw attention to yourself? Are you serving God because that's what he wants you to do? Are you going out of your way to find out what God desires of you? Or are you doing it to serve yourself? So that reveals the condition of our hearts. When we look at and ask the question of how and why we are doing things. See, when God's people observe a fast or any other religious tradition to please ourselves, but we're to win the admiration or approval of others, 
God is not pleased, and that activity is just wasted. When we do what we do just to, uh, so that others see our activity and see our efforts, we lose the benefits of God's approval. Tony Evans, pastor in Dallas, Texas, tells a story of one time of his wife wrapping up Christmas uh, packages and just empty boxes, wrapping up real nicely, putting the wrapping paper on them, putting the bows on them, and putting them outside on her porch as part of their Christmas decoration. They weren't worried about porch pirates because the boxes were empty. Honestly, if somebody came by and stole the boxes, the joke would be on them. <laughs> they put little rocks inside to weight them down, but the boxes were essentially empty. There was nothing inside. It looked pretty on the outside, but the inside was nothing. A lot of church people are nicely wrapped up on the outside, but inside nothing's going on. They don't want to be truly blessed. All they want to be is well wrapped to look pretty. See, true authentic Christian living starts on the inside and works its way outward. We don't ask people to change before they come to church. We let people come just as you are, come with all of your mess, all of your baggage, and let God work on you from the inside out. I don't ask people to look like Christians when they come. We don't ask people to look and pray and stand here and know all the things that those of us who have been in church for decades understand and know about how church is supposed to be, right? How to act Christian in church. We invite anybody and everybody to come just as they are. And once you come, you let God start working on you from the inside out. I don't want a bunch of well-wrapped packages that are empty on the inside. I'd rather have a bunch of messy looking people who are striving for holiness, who are striving to let God become Lord of their lives. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you do what you do so that others come by and pat you on the back, that is your reward, is what Jesus is saying. Verse 19, 20, same chapter says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Why do we do what we do? God was telling the Jews, you fasting these other three times of the year, it wasn't really worth it. You're doing it just to please yourselves. You're trying to serve your own desires rather than serving me. Paul even mentions the same idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. He says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. In other words, when we stand before God, all of our works are going to be laid out there. And all the things that we have done in this life are going to be tested, put to the test. And those things that we did righteously, those things that we acted out righteously and with the good intentions and trying to serve God are going to stand the test. Those things that we did selfishly to get the approval of others, we could draw others' attention toward us or to get that pat on the back. Are to be burned up with wood, hay, and stubble. 
experiencing God's presence requires a, a deep transformation to take place within us. So what I want us to, what I want you to do, I'm going to put a sample prayer here on the screen behind me. As, you, as we read through this, take a picture of it with your phone if you want, write it down, jot it down. Let this be your prayer as we go into this next week, as we strive to let God's presence be real in us. Simply says this, Lord, I want to serve you and not myself. I don't want to just go through the motions. When I pray, I want to communicate with you. When I fast, I want to prepare my heart and meet with you. When I worship, I don't want to just come to church and stand and sing and sit down and listen to a message. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your heart. You want to learn to serve God? You want to develop that deep, meaningful, authentic faith, that lasting faith? You pray a prayer like that, let God begin working in you from the inside out. See, true transformation begins when we move from serving our desires to serving God. Just the beginning. The second thing we need to work on is moving from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness. The Jews were all good at pursuing religion. They had the law, 613 stinking laws they had to obey. Plus a bunch of other traditions that they made up over the years that they threw in there in the, what they call the Mishnah that they also had to follow. They were good at pursuing religion, but not so good at pursuing righteousness and personal holiness. Look what God says in verses 8 through 10 here in Zechariah chapter 7. He says, And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. True righteousness, not just human actions. In Denver, when you go to talk to somebody about faith, and I've talked to a bunch of people, I enjoy talking to people about faith, about where they are in Christ and where they need to be. And as I've talked to people, a lot of people, what comes back and through the conversation is they enjoy being spiritual, but they don't want it. the Jesus that we worship. They enjoy thinking about God and God things, but Jesus and his requirements on us are something they want to keep far from them. Unfortunately, that's the way the Jews work. When you look at religion, you look at religiosity, and you think of the things that people do to get God's attention. They don't want to do what is necessary or required by Scripture to really get God's attention. If they did, they would be living their lives very differently. They want to take God's word with a pair of scissors and cut out parts of it to match, to fit their lives. Instead of taking their lives 
and cutting out those parts of their lives that don't match scripture. Is that not true? We are very good at using a pair of scissors on God's word. We don't like to use that same pair of scissors on ourselves. <laughs> We're all that way. I'm that way. It's not just you. It's not just the plebs sitting in the pews. It's me as well. It's every pastor. It's every worship leader. We are all the same. We are human. It is the old man coming out every single day saying, you know what? You don't need to listen to that. This is what culture says now. This lifestyle is okay now. Living with that person, it's okay. You don't need to get married. It's all right. That lifestyle you want, that LGBTQ lifestyle, I know that God's word says it's not really, that it goes against God's word, but we're so enlightened today in 2021. There's so many of those, and we can, we can, we can make a list of lifestyles in, in this world that go against God's word. And we'd be here for a long time. And I'd rather focus on what God tells us to do than what he tells us not to do. He says, pursue righteousness. I mean, it's almost like in this passage, it's almost like God is telling Israel, is saying, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You've missed the point of, of, of what it means to be called my people. You've missed the point. They're so used to following the law, they've forgotten the purpose behind the law. Y'all know what the purpose of the law was, right? 613 laws given to Moses and passed on to the people of Israel. It was to let them know that they could not find holiness, that they could not come to God of their own ability. So many laws were said, if they were going to come to God by their own power and strength, they had to fulfill every single one of those laws without fail and never break one. Period. Only one person has ever done that. Jesus. The God-man, Jesus. And that's because God came in. God in the flesh lived and died in this world and he lived his whole life, all 33 years, perfectly holy, fulfilling every commandment that he had laid out. It was his law. He knew what to do. He knew how to follow it. But he knew that we could not do it. The law was given so that we could know we could not be holy by ourselves. To draw people into, push us into a deeper relationship with God as we recognize, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't live the way you want me to live on my own. I need your help. And God says, exactly. You need my help. That means we've got to humble ourselves. In verse 9 and 10, God had to remind them what not to do. He says, render true judgment, show, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the sojourner of the poor. Let none of you despise evil against one another in your heart. Show mercy, he says. In fact, Hosea 6.6 6 says this. In the NIV, it says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I like the way the NLT reads it. That one on the screen behind me says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. 
I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. The Jews were happy to bring the burnt offerings. They didn't want God to see inside. They were happy to do the little things they thought were getting God's attention. They just didn't want him to come in and change him. I want you to show love to others. I want you to show love to your neighbor. I want you to show love to the fatherless, to the widow, to the orphan, to the sojourner. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Sacrifices are easy. Living out love towards your neighbor, your co-worker, your family member, your fellow church member, when it's hard, that's where God, that's where our passion and our authentic faith comes in, steps up. When religiosity and tradition become more important than the condition of our hearts, we've missed the point. Remember back in week two, when God told us, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Don't miss the point that God wants your heart. Move from pursuing religion to pursuing his righteousness. Thirdly, another way to the last way to develop this authentic faith in our lives is to begin listening to stop listening to our desires and begin listening to God's voice, hearing his voice. Stop listening to that little voice inside of you that tells you. That directing you to go live exactly how you want, and you begin hearing God's voice and embracing it. Look what he says in verse 11 to 14. He says, But they refused to pay attention. He's talking about the exiles, those who went into exile seven years earlier. He's reminding the ones coming back out of exile about their ancestors. He says, But they refused to pay attention. And turned a stubborn shoulder, stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord, the host, that had been sent by his spirit through the former prophets. And he goes on and talks about how he had to discipline them. These, these people, they purposely hardened their hearts against God's word. They purposely stopped up their ears. They purposely ignored God and listened to their own voice. It says that they turned a stubborn shoulder to God. What does that look like? They turned their back on God. They turned a stubborn shoulder. They refused to let God turn them back around. They refused. Nehemiah 9.29 says this, is when you warned them in order to turn back to your law, you, yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules. Which if a person does he and which if a person does them, he shall live by them, and they turned the stubborn shoulders, stiffened their neck, and would not obey. Nehemiah 9 29. Talking about the, those who went into exile. They turned a stubborn shoulder. Basically, you're telling God, God, you can talk all you want. But I'm not listening. God, talk to the hand. You can speak, you can talk, but I'm not listening. 
They stopped up their ears, the Bible says. Literally, the Hebrew says, they made their ears heavy. They closed them off. Like a toddler, la, 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 you can't hear you. I, I know you told me to go clean my room, la, 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 la. I can't hear you, Mom. Sticking his fingers in his ears. That's what they were doing. That's what we do to God. He invites us and he asks us to go do something. He talks to us. We're like, ah, oh, that goes against my desires, my wishes at the moment. We stop up our ears. It says they made their they made their hearts diamond hard. They didn't just harden their hearts. God says, you made your hearts harder, as hard as the hardest substance on the earth. And if there's a harder substance on the earth, my kids will be glad to tell me later on. As they crave. You made your hearts diamond hard. As hard as the hardest stone. On Reddit, with the website reddit.com, there's a group of investors on there, one of the subreddits, called Wall Street Bets. Y'all may have heard all a bunch of stuff going on back in December, November, December, January. GameStop and AMC stock and how they're running up the stock price and they're they were working and playing the stock market and all the hedge funds are trying to short all these companies and trying to make money and driving the stock price down and, and all these what they call retail investors got together on, on this Wall Street bets, Reddit forums and we need to drive the price up and get these guys because they're killing these companies. So they began driving the price up and the price for GameStop went from like $3 a share to $10 a share to as high as over $500 a share back by the end of January. No, I did not get in. <laughs> now it's back down. To, it dropped back down as far as like 46 and it goes up to 150, back down to 80, up to 200, back down to 20. It, it's it's a like a roller coaster. So no, I'm not going to get in. <laughs> but these guys, they have a saying. They want to have diamond hands because they want to drive the stock price up. They want to, and this is this is their avatar that they use. They, they get on there and they say, we're going to buy the stock and we're going to hold it. We're not going to be moved. No matter what the hedge funds do, no matter what they call the hedgies, no matter what they do, how they try to drive the stock down, we will not sell. And so they're buying and they're buying and they're buying and they're buying. And they forced actually a couple of hedge funds out of business. As the price went up, the hedge funds had to cover their positions. Because what happens in a short position, they, they buy it at a certain price. As the stock goes down, then they sell it later. And they make money on the difference. But when they, you buy it at a certain price and you're shorting the stock, as the price goes up, all of a sudden you've bought it here, now you've got to sell it up here. And you have to cover your position. And they didn't have the money to cover it in the difference. Especially went up to $400, $500 a share. And so a couple of these hedge funds went out of business because these guys with the diamond hands, we're holding and not selling. They were stubborn, still are. Reminds me of the Jews. 
Have they hardened their hearts like diamonds? And why did they do that? Verse 12 says, lest they should hear the law of the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit by the former prophets. Because they didn't want to hear God's word. They knew what God was going to say to them. No, 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 la, 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 God, we don't hear you, la, 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 la. We can't hear you. We don't want to hear you. We refuse to hear you. In fact, they're telling God, we don't hear you. We're not interested in what you have to say. We're going to keep our rituals. We're going to, we'll do the religious things that make us feel spiritual. We're not going to change our, the way we live our lives. We will do whatever it takes to not listen to you. And God says, okay, you let it go for hundreds of years. Pulled them into exile. So here God is reminding these exiles coming back that they were returning. What they were returning to, a destroyed temple, a ruined Jerusalem, because of what their ancestors had done. He's saying, don't be like them. Don't be like your ancestors who stopped at their ears, turned a stubborn shoulder, and hardened their hearts to not hear God, to not listen to Him. You ever wonder what would happen if God one day went silent and we couldn't listen to Him? You ever wonder what it would be like if God went totally silent? and gave people their wish to shut up. There is a audio sound testing center somewhere here in America. I can't remember the name of it. And to get into the inner room where there is perfect silence, there's total silence in this room, you have to go through two other soundproof rooms to get into the middle section, the middle chamber where there is no sound at all. It's got a minus nine decibel in that room. Our ears hear anything over zero. Literally, you go into that room and you hear your heart. You can hear your lungs working. You can hear your blood flowing through your, your body. You hear your ears, the bones in your ears working. They said it's the weirdest thing. You can't even stay in there by yourself. The longest anybody has stayed in that room by themselves without going crazy is 45 minutes. It is so quiet. What if God gave us our wish and just shut up? What would result? That's what we want, right? That's what people want. We want God just to stop telling us what to do, to stop giving us instructions. Let us live our lives our own way. You know what would result? If we stopped hearing from him at all, if the only things we could hear were our own thoughts and our own ideas and echoes of our past and our guilt, We have hopelessness and despair, all kinds of depression. See, God's voice is out there to remind us that we don't have to live with our past. We don't have to live with 
of those things in our lives that keep us demoralized and depressed. God is here to give us an abundant life, a life that he desires for us to live, a life that is abundant and, and out there in, in, the, in, the, in the world around us, proclaiming his truth, proclaiming his love. I'm so thankful he's still here. He's still speaking today, in spite of what the world says. So what then is the process for developing an authentic faith? We first, we have to gravitate from serving ourselves to serving him. We move from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness. We shift from listening to our own desires, listening to his voice. Turn our hearts back, or turn our shoulders back to him. Unstop our ears. Develop a soft heart. Listen to his voice. Brothers and sisters, is your faith authentic? Or are you just playing a game? Are you living out your life every day? Is this book more important? Hearing the word of the voice of God, the word of God, is it more important to you than that other book here? Sit by your bedside? Yeah. Is the music you're putting into your head encouraging you and speaking to you? Positive thoughts about God's desires for you? Or are you on the highway to hell? For those who are either in this room or watching online and you've never had a faith of your own, You've never developed a faith for Christ. The process is the same. The process is the same for no matter who it is. We've got to remove the stubbornness out of our hearts. Recognize that there is a, a sin problem deep inside each and every one of us. And that sin problem keeps us from having an intimate relationship with God. We've got to unstop our ears, open up our ears today, because God is speaking to you. Do you hear his message? Do you hear his voice? He says, I love you. I desire a relationship with you. I want to remove that sin from your life. And then thirdly, we have to develop a soft heart. It means turning and submitting. Being willing to step out and do the hard thing and commit yourself to Jesus today. But that's not very hard. In words, it's a hard thing to step out and do. So whether you're here in this room as a someone who says, I'm already a believer, I'm already a Christian, I've already turned and submitted, or maybe you're sitting here this morning and say, I've never done that. I've never publicly acknowledged, I've never given my life to Jesus. This is for you. Remove your stubbornness, unstop your ears. Open your heart to the word of God this morning. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I don't know what God is talking to you about this morning. I do know he wants change from all of us. He wants us all to leave here differently than we were when we first walked in here this morning. So I want to pray for you right now as Karis comes up to lead us in the final song here in a minute. I want to pray for you that God will work in your heart this July 4th as we celebrate Independence Day, we remember it's not all the barbecue stuff and the fireworks things we're going to celebrate tonight. Those are great. But right here, right now, it's time to achieve our independence from sin. Amen. 
It's time to find our dependence on God and let him step in and do for us what we couldn't do ourselves. Let's pray. Let me pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for those here in this room this morning and those watching online. And I pray, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts, reemphasize within us, within our minds, that which is important, that we turn from our own ways and begin following you. We put our own desires aside and begin listening to your voice. Set aside those traditions so and begin striving to live a life of righteousness. One that is holy and pleasing to you. Lord, there are so many distractions in this world. Things pulling us away from you. And I ask God today, right here, right now, that all those within the sound of my voice would recommit their lives to serving you. To not be like the Jews, coming out of exile and stubbornness. Wanting to live, serve you on their terms. But right here and right now, acknowledge we want to serve you on your terms because you are the God of the universe not me Lord God we love you we thank you for all that you've done for your long mercy putting up with us so often so much we want to serve you and love you today Jesus, they might break.